0: Hello, hello, Karina Cobb here again with our series of talking to amazing six-figure earners in the freelancing world, and I am so excited to chat with Jessica today, the founder of the Agency 7, and get to hear her story and how she got to where she is today and her words of wisdom for you guys. So, Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much for spending some time here to share Now, about what you've been up to, but tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you are, and what you do.
1: Of course. First off, thank you so much for choosing me and having me be a part of this. Always um, excited to provide you know, information and answer any questions. It's a scary freelancing world out there, so happy to be a resource to fellow women in business. Um, my name is Jessica. I am the founder of the Agency 7, a boutique experiential marketing and events company. Um, I have approximately 10 or so years in the biz. Um, Went off on my own two years ago um, to freelance and started the agency seven about six months ago.
0: Awesome, and so your 10 years was all in the same kind of arena in terms of events and marketing and and that sort of area?
1: Yeah, so I um, went to school, graduated with a degree in communications um, just before I graduated, interned for Pernod Ricard, um, Wines and Spirits company um, in their events and PR department. They had a department that was kind of split between both. Um, Kind of felt out that I was leaning more towards events and marketing once I interned there. Um, I graduated in 09, 08, right when the economy like completely tanked, so the job market was super crazy. Um, Fortunately, I was lucky enough to um, get a job within three to six months of graduating. Um, for a large sports marketing company, um, was there for about four years working on the Mercedes-Benz USA business, and then when that um, business transitioned to another agency, I and a few others transitioned with that business. Then another four and a half years with that current agency, Engine Shop, and then um, yeah, like I said, two years ago, um, went off on my own.
0: Awesome. What made you decide? to shift and and head into the scary world of freelancing from working for an agency?
1: Um, You know, something that I always considered, um, I always wanted to kind of own my own company, be my own boss. My best friend is an entrepreneur. My now husband is an entrepreneur. Um, My family was always, you know, first generation American. So when my family came over to the U.S., um, they were, you know, natural born hustlers. They had no choice but to be hustlers. So It's definitely like in my blood and something that I always wanted to pursue. Um, And the timing was right. I, you know, didn't just jump and and go into the freelance world, thought about it, planned it out, um, gave my company like two months notice, Um, had a contract that was about six months lined up with a client before I jumped ship. So I definitely took my time and made it the right transition um financially, professionally, didn't burn any bridges. So um, I was lucky not everybody, you know, has the opportunity or the chance to do something at that time. So um, you know I I think there's pros and cons to both, having, you know, a full-time job working for somebody else. I don't think freelancing is for everybody, but um no turning back for me um, unless, you know, some incredible life-changing opportunity comes my way.
0: Awesome. I love it. Uh, I agree. It's not for everybody, but it's cool that you thought through the transition and, you know, had a nice amicable flow and and fully planned out, fully planned out uh, sift over with already some work under your belt. So I guess from that perspective, you said you'd never go back unless, again, surprises that you can't foresee at the moment pop up. But how did you feel when you were fully officially on your own that very first month?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, scared. Um, and, and again, I had something lined up with um, actually the company that I had interned with, Pernod card brought me on. They had a, a maternity leave cover. Um, so I was fortunate to have really strong relationships there. Um, the opportunity presented itself. Um, I'm actually based in South Florida, but I'm originally from New York. So that opportunity was being back in New York. So I had to split time between New York and Miami. Um, In my world, we travel a lot. So it's not as crazy as it seems for six months because when you're on the road for business trips or for work in general, you know, Miami, New York's not a crazy flight. So it it was a whirlwind six months. I also got engaged during those six months. So really crazy six months for me. But um, there's a lot of unknown, I think, for people that are considering it. I think the smartest safest way to go about it is to have some contracts lined up because um, it's going to mess with your head and it's going to feel scary um, not to have that consistent income coming in, not to know who your next client is. Um, Set yourself up for success is what I can say is, is to make sure that you have enough experience working in the field that you're pursuing um, to have the relationships with people, um, so that when you do go off on your own, you feel secure and that you know enough of the world to to be successful.
0: Awesome! I think that's great advice. So I would love to again put some business context behind this shift over the last few years for you. Sure. Can you share, like, roughly your very first month of freelancing, like how much you actually earned?
1: Yeah. Um, so. Because I had that six month contract lined up, um, it was in New York and you know, for purposes of a freelancer, paid significantly well. So my first month in I was actually making double what I made at my full time job. I wanna put context that that is not the norm and there were months, many months after that, that that was not the case. So my first month was an amazing month. Um, so I think um, I made about 8K um, that first month um, and that was a contract. So every month was, you know, leading up to it. Once that was over, there were months you make zero. So it, it's really, you know, comparing what you make in a steady income to what you make freelance is, is a t- it's not apples to apples. So um, I think um, a good frame of reference is that you you kind of dictate your salary because you're your own boss. So I think my advice to people would be not to just look, because I think what I did um, is because you're so used to making a steady income, you're looking for that one client that's going to pay you that much money. You know, that's to make it, okay, I'm making the same money. I'm making more money. I think the goal is to build a business or a brand, build yourself up to be this person with multiple clients or, don't be shy to take the smaller clients because that's what builds more revenue, you know.
0: Perfect. I think that's great advice. So you came out of the gate doing well. You've had some up and down in between. What are we sort of averaging now that you've sort of settled in? You've had um, a couple years to grow and then you've launched your agency. You've hit the six-figure mark as a freelancer, right? I have, yeah. So um, I don't know when and how and what I
1: did, but um, I think what I – you know, in this exercise of just really thinking about it, you know, just coming out of tax season and reviewing everything that kind of happened the last two years for me. um, I would say it's been a mix of retainer work and one-off projects. And again, this really depends on the field that you're in and how you do bill your clients. But um, in my world, um, you know, there's this you know, perception that retainer clients are amazing because they're long term and they're consistent. And of course that's the most logical, you know, step is that you want these retainer clients because you want consistency. But, um, I think with one-off projects, especially in events and in, in my field, um, you have the ability to charge more for less amount of work. So I definitely don't shy away from, you know, one-off projects you know beyond monthly retainers because that that makes makes or breaks sometimes one extra day can you know make you make that much more money monthly
0: so when you when you had to shift from working for an agency to being your own your own entity did you learn how to package those retainer services or those one-off kind of project-based services at the agency or is that something you had to learn on your own
1: um it's a, it's a mix of both, you know, so I
0: think I
1: had enough experience in the agency side to understand how specific clients, you know, charge, you know, or pay out to agencies and how agencies charge. Um, I, I came from big business, so I saw, and then the second agency I was that started as like a super small boutique agency, and throughout the five years that I was there, was bought out by a larger entity so i really saw a business grow and develop um, i didn't have as much visibility as i would have hoped obviously you know when there's 50 people and executive team you don't see everything but um, i think once i finished that initial contract that i had or during rather i reached out to you know every freelancer i knew um, people just in the business try to get their take on what they think is fair Um I kind of tried to look at it as like, okay, if if I'm a full-time employee with my level of experience, how much should I be making? How much do I want to be making? And converted that into, well, I don't have benefits, I don't, you know, I have to pay for health insurance out of pocket, I have to pay for an office space, if I want to join a co-working space, you know, all of these things cost money. Um, and if you're not part of a larger company, if you don't work for somebody who's you know providing those benefits, you need to you know, package that into what you're charging your clients. So um, to answer your question, it was a combination of, you know, learning and trying to figure it out on my own, plus getting um, advice and feedback from people that I knew that would understand my industry, what the going rate is, what's fair, but also what they think I was worth and and then kind of maybe cushion that a little bit to cover other expenses. So, you know, and, and it changes. You know, as you get more experience and as you grow and as you have more capabilities, um, you I think pricing is is a really tricky thing for freelancers because what I find um, I think more often than not people are undervaluing themselves and not charging enough, and that's why the the idea of making six figures as a freelancer is so out of this world to them because they don't realize that they're not charging enough.
0: No, that's a great point. I love that you. Took the initiative to reach out and ask a bunch of questions, but also thought about the business aspect of, yeah, when you're a freelancer you have to cover your overhead, your health benefits, your retirement benefits, your all of those things. Yeah. You have to mark that up into your packages because this is now your business. So that's a great right. that's a great frame of mind on top of like is what your take home needs to be that I think a lot of people forget when they're pricing things. It's not just yeah. the time you're spending for the client, but it's your life that you are having to live while delivering this service, which we kind of have to take care of, so. Perfect. Okay, so I heard you say some really interesting things about people not valuing themselves high enough or charging enough, which usually ends up in them having to work a bazillion hours to be able to actually earn what they need to take home. So now that you're at this level, can you give us a bit of a window into like your typical days, your typical weeks that allow you to have a six-figure income, but not go crazy?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I actually saw this interesting meme um, on Instagram that said, I don't remember verbatim what it said, but it was something like, um, you pay me for the, even if it takes me 30 minutes to do something, you're paying for the 30 years of experience or whatever it is. Like You don't need to know how long it takes me to do something. You just need to pay for my experience and the value you're getting by using me. Um, So I think... Just to go into pricing and what my day to day looks like, hourly rates are like the death of, of freelancers because um, it, it never—it's never the hours that you assume it's going to be, and it's hard to price out um, your work based on hours because, especially when it, before a project has evolved or you know what it's going to take, I think certain industries—you know—it's going to take you an hour. You know, if you're a graphic designer and then you need to do a logo, you can account for maybe two to three revisions. But so when you're um, in a world like mine with, with marketing and, and proposals and, you know, decisions being made and budgets being cut and things like that, it, it could really build up in hours. So I think um, what I would say is, you know, when you're, when you're building out your packages and how you charge your clients, I think you really need to understand and take into account the industry that you're in and truly remember the times of when it takes you, you know, 80 hours a week to get something done if that's your deadline or if it's not gonna take you that long to, to really strategize on how you how you charge your clients. Um, for me, my day to day, especially now that I've started a company, a lot of it is spending time, you know, getting myself out there, networking. I just recently joined the co-working space. So, that's something that I you know, didn't think was a necessity right out of the gate, and it's not because you know, it's, it's an, You have to limit your expenses of course, um, but now at this stage in my company, I thought it was smart to invest in that because you're meeting people left and right, and um, it'll pay for itself You know, with one client. It is about setting your alarm because <laughs> you have to wake up even if you don't have an office to report to. You'd be very disciplined about waking up and sitting at your office, even if you you know work from home, um, I think you know that's something for me because I am a morning person and I am motivated and I'm super um, invested into my company. But I think it's I've seen it with other colleagues who have went freelance. Um, it's a huge adjustment to not go into an office and not have to report somewhere. Um, so I think. Um, huge learning going freelancing is just to make sure that you are in the right state of mind and disciplined enough to wake up and treat it like a true business and a real job. Because um, I think perception of freelancers is that we're kind of like doing our thing and sitting on Instagram and, yeah. and and things like that. But for the most part, we have a business. Even if, even if you don't have a company, you as a freelancer are a business and that's how you have to treat it. So um, I think Again, something I would recommend to people pursuing freelancing is to make sure that you, other your personal life and other parts of your day to day are aligned with the lifestyle that being a freelancer brings. Um, and yeah, I think um, it's just about setting structure because you don't technically have one. So awesome. Yeah. So
0: I love the tip about the alarm and like getting up and treating it like a business, having yeah. business hours, whatever you want to set for those. Sure have you created like essentially a 40 hour a week business for yourself or where is your sweet spot in terms of how you like to run your business?
1: Yeah. So, um, it's something that I'm working on. I think, um, I coming from the agency world, you're always on and you are, you know, conditioned to believe that like you have to just like answer emails at two in the morning and, you know, report to clients instantly. And I think, as much as, you know, at the time, it's kind of like, oh, I can never take a break or I want to go on vacation or this or that. I think it, it really has transitioned that way for me going into my business. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm just really motivated right now to build my business, so I'm always on. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a nine to five kind of thing. It's sometimes, it'll be, you know, it'll be late at night and I just get a, some, an idea and work on my computer pretty much every night so I think it's what when you're at this point you're, you're always you're always on so I think depending on the industry you're in if you have to physically be on your computer you know like I said if you're a social media manager if you're a graphic designer somebody that has to physically be creating something um, I think setting a 40 50 hour work week is smart um, for myself, it doesn't really apply because I, I don't always have to be on my computer. A lot of it is like, you know, selling or pitching or meetings and things like that. So for me, I'm always on.
0: Okay. That's fair. And you're in the startup phase of your brand new business. So that makes a little bit of sense too in terms of which part of your journey you're on. So exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me talk about kind of the growth side now that we're heading into that topic a little bit. You said your first client you had because you did turn at an agency before and you had it through personal relationships. So how do you find clients now and what's your best strategy for that?
1: Yeah, so um, to date, I have never handed out a business card. So I, (laughs) believe it or not, um, I'm going to start because I, I want to grow, but um, for the last two years, everything has been word of mouth, Um, referrals, recommendations. um, Yeah. uh, Return business. Um, Yeah. Everything has just actually one of my previous agencies that I was at uh, full time for many years brought me on as a freelancer. So again, not burning any bridges, building strong relationships, um, you know, as you go too. So even my past relationships, in business have transitioned into you know current clients if i do get a new client from you know somebody else word of mouth it's about building that relationship so that they're a return client so throughout my experience it has been all word of mouth
0: okay great so relationships first and focus which is why you're taking a well, networking. fantastic yeah. have you found in in your specific industry that you've got kind of a, a typology for who your best clients are that you sort of zero in on when you're asking for a referral?
1: yeah um, I think um, in my field specifically people don't really understand exactly what I do even <laughs> the people closest to me it's one of those things where um, it's sort of vague and can be used and applied for so many different industries for so many different businesses and I think especially coming out of the agency world when I was doing like super crazy big projects and people just saw these big brands and I was doing the glamorous stuff, um, they, they feel a little bit, um, what's the word? Like shy in, in reaching out to say like, oh, would you work with me or, or work with my friend? They have a startup or they have a small business or they just need a, you know, an opinion or advice. And they don't realize that like, my expertise or you know my my background can be applied to any industry and I can you know you can charge people just for consulting and just for you know strategic um, advice so um, I think that's something that I learned that it's not always the, the full huge project that I have to charge people for you can make money just by people picking your brain I mean obviously there's, you know, some sensitivity there. If it's a close relationship, or you know, you have to add value, so you have to make sure that you're proving your value in what you're delivering to that client. But um, I think for me, it's something that I've been finding is that I need to be a little bit more vocal about like the different areas that I can provide value. It's not just oh, I have to do a complete RFP response to um, a mega. You know, five thousand person event. You know, it could just be my strategic guidance on on one little one off event for them.
0: Okay, awesome. So I'm hearing there's been a learning that while people perceive big plans, big issues, big events are are your jam, exactly. there's actually a lot of other ways you can serve people in a smaller capacity and still totally. still work with folks. So that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Is that part of what you're working on in terms of positioning now that you're, you're moving ahead? Is like you said, educating people on the different types of things you can do that add value?
1: For sure. Um, so I think a, a big learning for me was starting the Agency 7 and being an official company and having the resources, um, in, you know, from other clients or other freelancers. I've sort of created this collective of people that I can pull, you know, as resources, I don't have to do all the work. I can bring third third party um, vendors or freelancers on for other areas, and you know broaden my capabilities. Because oftentimes um, I am hiring people that are doing things that I you know I'm not a graphic designer. Can I do I have a design eye? Can I be part of the conversation on creating the best design for my client? Absolutely. But um, there's you know I have a, a whole network of graphic designers that I can pull from and recommend to my client, or I can hire them through me as if they are an employee of mine or a contractor
0: of mine. Okay, very cool. So, we talked about getting in your own head a little bit when you get started and some of the doubts you might experience in this wild west of freelancing. Have you ever personally experienced imposter syndrome or, or doubts about what you're doing now that you're independent?
1: Yeah, I am the poster child for imposter syndrome. Um, it is something that I struggled with in immensely, and I'm a—I like to believe—a very confident person. Um, I do feel like I'm amazing at what I do. Um, I can always learn. Everybody can always learn um, new things. But going freelance, um, feel you know, amazing. Being your own boss, <sighs> imposter syndrome is a real disease Um, I'm fortunate enough that um, I have the network of entrepreneurs really close my best friend my husband my family that were you know supporting me pushing me Um, and and really like when I first kind of announced that I went off on my own um, the response that I got from from contacts and clients in the in the in my world was just so epic and people like I knew you were going to go off on your own. You you should have done this a long time ago. You're going to be so successful. Um, so that helped, But on a day-to-day, I mean, I can have the best day of the month and lock in five clients, and your head is telling you they're going to find out that you're not actually as good as you think you are or, like, you're not really good. I mean, it's, it's a day-to-day, and I think, um, you know, I, I'm one of those people that really loves – a good motivational quote or like listening to like some super successful entrepreneurs that are, have now transitioned into motivational speaking. I do like that. So it's something that I do listen to on a daily basis, whether it's a podcast or, you know, scrolling Instagram. Like I do follow a lot of those people. And I think it's a good resource because you know, you're not alone and it's something that everybody it, it, the same BS is running through everybody's minds, um, but if the paychecks are coming in, the clients are returning, it, it is what it is. So I think if I didn't have those feelings, I wouldn't be real. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say that it's totally normal um, and be, remain humble. <laughs> and I, I think it kind of tri- like, translates into drive for me, So whenever I do kind of feel down or like feeling like I'm not as good as I think or I'm presenting myself to be or I am an imposter, I think um, it just helps me get better, you know, because I'm trying to always learn, trying to do better, trying to change things up or fix things or, yeah. So it's a real disease, but everybody goes through it. And don't don't feel like if you're feeling that way – and you're struggling with imposter syndrome, that doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. It's just
0: part of the game. Part of the game. I love it. Great context. And I love that you use it, one, to keep you driven to see what opportunities you still have to grow, but also leaning on those positive reinforcements of other people in the same world that- exactly going to be just fine. So, yeah. Awesome. So, I would love to hear your perspective on how you define success because I think we were chatting before we went live on. Benchmarks and milestones that may have been like an ancient thing that Ruckus feel like hitting six figures or that sort of thing. So for you as you're looking at growing your new agency and your business continuing on this independent journey What is success? How do you measure it?
1: So this Really has changed for me throughout my time freelancing. I think um, first and foremost Financial success is definitely up there. I think for everybody um, we're talking about working and I think people work to make money. So it it is what it is. I I, I used to be a little bit um, hesitant to say that because I think people just think you're money hungry and that's all you care about. Like, yep, I do, And I don't care. And I think I'm mature and old enough and successful enough to say like, that's what drives me. I mean, why else am I spending all this time and energy? You know, I love what I do and I, I could be, a billionaire and I, I would still work just as hard as I do today. That's the truth, I just love to work. If I'm not working, and if I'm bored, if I'm not intellectually stimulated, it, it has an effect on me in every aspect of my life. So for me, success beyond financial gain is, um, I, I've never felt successful until I kind of went off on my own. I have to be honest, I, it, just, it, it makes me, I'm proud. You know what I mean? Like to, to have pride in yourself, um, I think, is the utmost level of success you can reach. Um, and you know, there, there's benchmarks that we there's goals that we set, and there's benchmarks that we set. Um, especially starting your own company, um, and I certainly haven't reached anywhere near what I'm trying to. Um, but I think success is is having pride in yourself every day. And being proud of the work you do on a daily basis, so.
0: That's awesome. And I think for yeah. a lot of the creatives, they can relate to, like, the pride and, like, I created this and I created my own opportunity, oh. my own career, my own destiny. There's, there's definitely something you said for the self efficacy that happens when you take control of the reins. And- totally. And I think, you know, you
1: have times where the project's not that exciting and clients that are just terrible. But at the end of the day, you know, your reputation and your work is yours, whether you work for somebody else or you're a freelancer. So at the end of the day, that's all you have um, is, is your reputation and your pride. And I think that that kind of is what drives me to just always deliver good work because I, beyond it all, that, that's what you're left with is your reputation. So perfect. Yeah.
0: And then, as far as now that we're comfortable being okay with financial success being one of our key drivers, like what is what is having that money and having those earnings allowed you to invest in or enjoy? now that you are successful that way.
1: Yeah, um, it, it it allows me to invest more back into my business. Honestly, okay. I I don't feel like I I live a lavish lifestyle anymore. Um, I think my perception of money and what is a lot of money has changed and what I'm aiming to make and be able to afford has completely changed. You know, I am getting older. I did just get married. So, of course, just with growth and different stages in life, those things change. But I think especially from starting your own company, you know, whereas maybe I was more of a careless spender before, um, making more money has actually made me more frugal in or, or more conscious I should say of what I'm spending on. Um, so um you know I I live in a big city so for me, you know, reaching a certain number, six figures isn't like life changing. I'm not like living in a mansion now and you know I'm not rich by any means. And and like I said, I, I hate to like negate what six figures means um because I think it is a benchmark for a lot, a lot of people but um it's also not for uh, you know the other half of the world so um, I think um, as a freelancer specifically six figures at least has made me um, it has allowed me to feel a little bit more comfortable that I chose the right path and that you can make a sustainable living and you can be successful um, and you'll be okay
0: Peace of mind. That's, that's one of the exactly. lovely things you get when you, when you oh. reach a level of success financially where there's.
1: The bills will get paid. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. One less thing to worry about. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have a key to success or a fundamental principle that you believe has been really critical in you getting to this level that you could share?
1: Um, I think a key to success, in my opinion, um, goes back to just what I said about relationships. I firmly believe um, as a freelancer as a freelancer your relationships are everything so um, that's something that I've experienced being the number one driving point to my success so I would say every relationship is important whether it's a vendor, a client a colleague, a partner whoever it is Like, be you know Be humble in who you are and make sure that you're treating everybody with respect and everybody is important because you never know who's going to refer business to you. You never know, you know, like I said, I I bring on people that I've worked with in so many different capacities throughout the years now. So, you know, they could do the same with me. So even if their client hired them for X, they might need Y and you might be that Y. So I definitely think all of your relationships are important and make sure you're nurturing them. Um, reminding people that you're here, you're available, you're a resource. Um, It's something that I, you know, forget to do sometimes, quite frankly, is because you get so busy in your day-to-day and you're nurturing the live business that's paying you right now. But I think you don't, even if you're that busy, don't forget to nurture potential.
0: Awesome. That's an awesome tip. And I think for so many independents, the relationships is, been a, a cornerstone of what I'm hearing was was a stepping stone of being where, where these ladies are, just like yourself, Jessica. That's awesome. Well, I yeah. fully appreciate you sharing behind the curtains of everything you've been up to and yeah. how you made the big transition and did it successfully. So if anybody wants to pick your brain as a freelancer, the way you did when you were getting started, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So please, please, please go follow at The Agency 7 on Instagram and on Facebook um, www.theagency7.com. It has a link to contact me directly, and my email is jessica at 7com Awesome.
0: Fantastic. Love hearing about your journey. Congratulations on the success you've had so far, and I can to see you in the future. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.